Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, wrote St. Paul to the Christians in Colossae. And in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Close quote. From Wyoming Catholic College, you're listening to The After Dinner Scholar, and I'm your host, Dr. Jim Tonkowicz. January 31st to February 2nd, the Wyoming Catholic College community enjoyed days packed with senior orations. Each of our seniors, having written a thesis in the fall, presents his or her findings in a 30-minute lecture followed by questions from a faculty panel and from the audience. It is a wonderful celebration of all our students accomplish in their years at Wyoming Catholic College, and it's always a privilege to have a couple of students as guests on the After Dinner Scholar podcast. Moira Milligan's oration was entitled, No Pain, No Gain, The Radical Nature of Sacrificial Love, and I asked her how she chose that topic. Someone told me that your thesis topic should be a question that you want to answer before you leave the school. I thought there are a lot of questions I want to answer, but I think there's a certain kind of question that's raised, not maybe particularly from a book you read or um, a conversation, but from a life experience that you have, maybe an encounter with the Lord or with someone else where you wonder why things are the way they are. Um, And for myself, um, it was exactly that, wondering why suffering seems so integral to our pursuit of love in a pure way. And that just led to kind of the unfolding of what is sacrifice. Now you begin your thesis talking about divine love and how that culminates in gift. Tell us about that. It seems that if we are imitating God-like love when we pursue charity, there had to be something about the love we're imitating that had a giving aspect to it because that's exactly what it seems like the pain you experience is, that you're giving or you're taking on something for someone else. And so when I examined love as we know it, demonstrated by God in the Old Testament, we see something like um, creation or the different ways that he loves us. There seems to be some kind of giving of himself. And then in parallel to that, you have the cross um, where there's also a gift of himself. So my examination of God's love, it seemed that it culminates in gift insofar as he wills our good and we will each other's good to the point that we give ourselves in service of the good of others. And in God's case, he gives himself to us because he is our ultimate good. Um, As we begin Lent this week, we begin to focus on divine love and its relationship with suffering, specifically in the suffering of the cross. How do you see love and suffering intersect? I mean, do love and suffering have to intersect or? Well, this is a hard one because it seems like a question, especially a theological one, where you spend a lot of time with it. You don't know if you've actually answered it and you keep going around in circles. But um, it seems that at least on earth, in a world where there already is pain, there is an intersecting of love and suffering, mostly because So the way I define sacrifice in my thesis or my oration is taking on the effects of sin for another. And we're able to do that because of the cross. And and there's something very um, radical about that, that there's this world we live in where there's sin and suffering reigns and you can't avoid it. But there's something about 
when love comes into the picture, when like this true wheeling the good of your neighbor for God's sake, when that happens, you're able to take on suffering for someone else and it itself is transformed into a different thing. It's, it's no longer, for example, the cross. You know, that's torture, that's a horrible thing. But because of the gift that Christ is giving of himself, it now becomes one of the most beautiful testimonies of love we will ever experience. So I think that suffering and love do have this necessary connection because of the world we live in. And um, suffering does become something else because of it. You quoted Thomas Aquinas, who wrote, It is our duty to prefer our neighbor to our own body, and therefore it is right to sacrifice our physical life for the spiritual welfare of others. Explain that. That sounds hard, doesn't it? It's, it's our duty. It's a strong phrase. And I think that I use that quote, especially since that was the main message of my thesis and my oration is, this is something that it's not just those few saints out there who, who, who do it. And, and that's something that only the elite can do. It's something all Christians are called to. And that thing is to give ourself in service of our neighbor. And he draws a distinction between the material and the spiritual. And I think that's very relevant because it's saying, I desire the good for you, neighbor, which is eternal life. And I will achieve that by giving everything that I can short of my soul, <laughs> which, is, which is a really crazy way to live. And, and the beautiful thing is that Christ sets that example. He doesn't just say, do that. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And the example he gives is the cross, which is giving everything he has for our salvation. Now you have examples of saints in your oration. Yeah, so uh, Maximilian Kolbe is an outstanding and moving story about this. You know, you have the story of him in Auschwitz, and in my oration, I had time to paint that picture of just what a horrible place it was. And suddenly there's this man, this Polish priest, who he himself is struggling. He, in a moment, steps out of line and takes the place of a man who's about to be condemned to starvation in an underground bunker a man he does not know. And it's all because this man, Franciszek Kajovniszek, calls out, my wife, my children. And Colby sees the need that this man has to be there for his family and without hesitation gives his life for him and dies a horrible death. So yeah, it, it's, it's quite an amazing story. And the beautiful thing is that um, I also quoted Mother Teresa in my thesis by saying, we, we look at Maximilian Kolbe and we want to imitate him because he is, he's an example of the most radical form of love that is gift of yourself. But Mother Teresa presses us to imitate him by saying, we might not all be called to great feats of love, but we are called to do small things with great love. And that's our kind of imitation of that sacrifice. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's a, that's a big one. Or Father Damien of Molokai. Yeah, that, that's big or even somebody going as a missionary. What does it mean to live that kind of sacrificial love right here, right now? Where do we sacrifice? What do we sacrifice? For whom? Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is difficult because there's, as is with every kind of thing um, we're trying to live out, our Christian life, um, there's so many examples. But I've been thinking about a rule of thumb, as it were. And I, I like to answer the question, for whom do we sacrifice first? and then try to find some examples of what that looks like. 
I, I focused a lot on the fact that the person that Maximilian sacrifices for is a stranger. And also in Matthew's gospel at the last, um, the last judgment, we see Christ say, you fed me, you, you dressed me, you gave me to drink that which you did for the least of my brothers. That is a person who, who's the unwanted person, the, the stranger on the street, the one that we don't necessarily have any affection towards, the least of my brothers. And the distinction I would like to draw is that we are called to love those close to us, our, you know, our spouses, our families, in this way. That is to give ourselves in service of their good, which means we see, we see their attainment of whether it be health, wealth, or, or sanctity, most importantly, for their soul, we see that as more important than our own. That is true for those that we love, but Christ's challenge goes beyond that. Because when he says, no greater love has man than to lay down his life for his friend, he, he's raising the bar even further than what we'd see is challenging, laying our, our life down for someone we don't like, our enemy. He's saying friend because he's challenging us to see everyone in that light as a friend and to give ourselves even to our very life for all those around us. So that's for whom we give. And, and going back to this idea of giving yourself in service of your neighbor, the day-to-day, I think, is, is a very radical way of living insofar as that the idea is... You're giving yourself in service of your neighbor, which means you're fulfilling yourself by living for others. Everything that you do is so that you can be a better servant. You know, I look at my life as a student and I had this question in my oration panel, you know, how do I make a distinction between I'm spending money, I'm spending time here as a student and should I feel bad about that? And no, the question is no. You know, St. Paul says, I will be all things to all men. Our duty is to become a great instrument for the Lord, but it's always in service of others. You know, back last May, the Surgeon General's office put out a report on the, quote, epidemic of loneliness in our culture. It's an amazing thing. It's not, excuse me, it's not a report. It's an advisory. And I was thinking about this. We, we have neighbors who we don't know well. My wife, Dottie, brought over some cookies. Um, with our uh, grandchild, Hezekiah, who's seven. And he made a snow angel while she was delivering the cookies. And our neighbor discovered the snow angel. This is nothing. This is a little kid fooling around. She wrote a thank you note. I mean, talk about a little tiny thing. Little more than a cup of cold water. Maybe not even a cup of cold water. And people are so hungry for that kind of love in their lives. So. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think it's so true, and that's why it's it's so important for us as Christians to to realize that we don't need this like we don't need a prison camp. We don't need you know someone telling us to renounce our faith to see the urgency of and the need as you're describing for us to step forward and to live this life more fully. Because yeah, the world is the world is starving for for people to give themselves in, in God's name. Off topic, but nonetheless important. Briefly, what are your plans for next year after you graduate? This is a hard one because something I realize more and more is that I can make my plans and God will always, always oh, have always, something always, different yeah. in mind. <laughs> but I think in the long run, I, I'm very, very interested in 
a kind of ministerial, but also interpersonal path. And what I'm looking at right now is, is career coaching um, with the end goal of wanting to start my own company, coaching homeschool moms. That's the big dream is to, yeah, have a network where moms starting out with their homeschooling, you know, journey, have someone to walk with them for that first six months, that first year. And so I see that way in the distance. That's a peak I have to climb in a while. But to get there, I want to build up my experience with coaching and also just a life experience, have a broader view. So maybe work abroad. Yeah. So lots of dreams. I want to leave you with one of Moira's quotes that so struck me that I want to carry it with me through Lent. It's from Dostoevsky's book, The Brothers Karamazov. And the speaker is the holy man, Father Zosima. Quote, active love is a harsh and fearful thing compared with the love in dreams. Love in dreams thirsts for immediate action, quickly performed, and with everyone watching. Indeed, it will go as far as the giving of one's life, provided it does not take long, but is soon over, as on stage, and everyone is looking on and praising, whereas active love is labor and persistence, and for some people, perhaps, a whole science. May God richly bless your Lenten sacrifice of love, and let us pray for one another. From Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkowicz.